Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you all for joining me once again. Uh, again, we are still in this wonderful time of the quarantine. Uh, it seems like it's been forever, uh, and it might just be forever more uh, if people can't learn to do what the hell they're supposed to. But uh, nevertheless, we persist with the podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in again. Uh, once again, if you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. It's at fuel underscore your fuel your on Instagram. Uh, also, we have just put together a Patreon page. If you go to Patreon and look up fuel your fandom, you'll find us there. Uh, there's some reward tiers that'll get you access to some uh, unedited episodes and, 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 extra long clips and early access to episodes and things like that. So we're still trying to put that together, but uh, uh, you can find us on there. Uh, we don't really tweet much, so we don't really have a Twitter uh, going as of this point, but I'm probably going to rectify that soon. I'm just really, really bad at social media. So uh, be that as it may, if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on anchor.fm forward slash fuel your fandom. That'll give you the links to everywhere that we are, including uh, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yada, yada, yada. You can also find us on Seattle Wave Radio. You can go to seattlewaveradio.com, click on the banner link there, that'll take you to our page. That's a lot of saying out of the way. Now, here's what we're going to do today. Now, I, I, I like to keep things kind of light and fluffy. I don't like to get all heavy and political all the time because... There's a lot of nerd rage involved in politics, and a lot of people wouldn't understand uh, unless you really start digging into it. But today's topic, I feel, is is kind of important, and uh, I mean, it's really hard to stay neutral on this topic without kind of exposing yourself a little bit. So, uh, but what we're going to talk about today is uh, J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, specifically. Uh, what she has done as far as fracturing her community against her, given her uh, rather, well, to put a, no too fine a point on it, a shitty view on uh, trans and her trans-exclusionary feminist agenda. So uh, today we are going to be talking about what she has done to her community and kind of how the community is reacting in response to her uh, exclusionary politics. Uh, with me today, I am uh, pleased to be joined by someone I've known a great long time uh, and uh, who can uh, speak just a little bit to this topic as far as uh, uh, from the perspective of the LGBTQ community uh, and also from the nerd community. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Karama Blackhorn. Uh, hi. How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? I am doing well, thanks. Now, Kar uh, Karama, we've known each other for like almost 20 years. It's really good yeah. to think of it like that. Uh, <laughs> Since I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, we were both in the SCA together. We, we hung around the same people, and uh, I've known you since you were like, not, not a toddler. That'd be, uh, that'd be ridiculous, but you were like 12, 13, something like that. Yeah, at the high end. Yeah, and now I'm an old man, and you're getting to be an older lady, and it's just, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> but uh, 
Carola, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your area of expertise? What is it that you do? Yeah, so um, I actually work in multicultural affairs as a student affairs professional. My work has been um, doing all of the diversity and equity stuff at college campuses um, for about a decade now. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked in a ton of different locations, and I do a lot of community activism and organizing. Um, my current position, I'm the director of a, and, and founder of the Queer Culture and Resource Center, Cal State Dominguez Hills, um, first uh, queer center in South L.A., um, and I'm a professor in gender studies. Awesome. You, you have joined the, the very uh, tight-knit ranks of all the people that I've known who have gone on to become super educated professionals while I'm still stuck here uh, doing a podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, spent, we probably spent too much time in books nerding out. That's what happened here. <laughs> it does happen. But uh, so... What I like to do uh, with uh, my guests prior to really diving into the topics at hand is I kind of want to get a feel for uh, what you are and what you're nerdy about and the things that you're into. So, uh, and I know you're nerdy. Given your upbringing, I know, you're, I know your mom, I know your brother, I know everything. We're all very, very nerdy people. But why don't you give us a taste a little bit about what your fandoms are? Where, where are you into well, I like to identify as a second generation nerd. Um, you know, I grew up with my whole family being GMs and DMs and um, doing Camarilla before you had to be 18. Um, oh, yeah. I was like an eight year old and, <laughs> and the cam. Um, I even like uh, grew up in the SCA, as you had mentioned. So mm -hmm. um, I've always had a deep love for anything medieval. Um, I'm um, I'm actually, you know, I'm mixed race and my father's Scottish, but he's not really in my life. So my mom tried to help me learn more about my culture by becoming a Scottish sword fighter <laughs> um, and singing Celtic music around fires. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty nerdy. Um, I tried to be the cool kid and avoid the tabletop gaming once I hit 18 um, and ended up just focusing on college and then got really into sci-fi. So I'm actually like a really big Trekkie. Um, I try to get into anything nerdy that my students, I've worked with college students for a long time, high school age, community college, and university, and anything that they're really nerdy about, I know I need to know about, because I know how to communicate through nerdiness. So if that's how I actually got involved in Harry Potter, was like, although my students grew up reading it, I was like, it's time for me to read it, if I want to be able to communicate with them, because nobody else loves Star Trek as much as me, and <laughs> um, no one can keep up with that one, so I got to try to find, meet them where they're at. <laughs> That's funny. I've been doing a lot of Star Trek centric episodes lately, and it's partially because I'm, I'm a really huge Star Trek fan. I have been uh, pretty much my entire life. And in fact, uh, one of my recent guests, uh, I don't know if you listen to Star Trek podcasts at all. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> have you ever heard of Mission Log? No, I haven't. I've, I have it on my list, but I haven't listened to it. I've been listening to the Feminist Frequency one. Oh, nice. They got a couple on the on the Roddenberry Podcast Network that I've been meaning to dive into, uh, and one of them is called Women at Warp, and and uh, then uh, I, I interviewed uh, one of the guys from the Mission Log Podcast, John Champion, and uh, ever since then, I've been going through a deep dive of his podcast now. What they do is they go episodically through old Star Trek episodes, one at a time going forward, and uh, they break down each episode, trivia, and, and and discuss the concepts and everything. And and mm -hmm. so because I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan, that's where they – when I jumped in, they were on 
right? Thank yes, you. Deep Space Nine's the one. <laughs> and uh, they they were already on season four of Deep Space Nine, so I listened to a couple of those after I interviewed him, and I'm like, all right, well, shit, I got to go back and listen to the at least all of Deep Space Nine because there's hundreds of episodes now. And so I just went back to the beginning where they started on Deep Space Nine, and I've been working my way forward through that now. And it's so cool to sit there and listen to them break it all down and and talk about the concepts and meanings and messages that they may be able to get out of the program and everything. And it's I'm on such a, a Star Trek bent right now; it's ridiculous. But I highly yeah. recommend uh, uh, Mission Log, um, and that's for you, John, if you're listening. Mission Log Pod on Facebook. I've done my due diligence. I have advertised for you, sir. But so, yeah, okay. So we share a lot of the same uh, nerdiness. I, I never had any introduction to the Camarilla. I never really did anything with that. I'd had uh, some conversations with a mutual uh, friend of ours, uh, Robert, uh, about it. And, and and actually interviewed him for last week's podcast, which was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, as far as not really being super into tabletop games, but... I'm like huge into like sci-fi and uh, comic books and, and video games and things like that. So uh, I it was actually about 14 years ago, 15 years ago, I had uh, an ex-girlfriend who was uh, super huge into Harry Potter and I had never really been into it previous, but I sat down and started diving through the books because I mean, when I get on a bent, I can read a book pretty quick. And, and Rowling's books aren't exactly, you know. Yeah, they're not hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not Tolkien, so yeah. uh, they're easy to get through in a sitting. If you, if you, and and in fact, that's what we did with the last book. Right when it came out, we sat there and and, and we just read all day from like eight o'clock in the morning until we were done, and read the entire book in one sitting. And <laughs> I, I was kind of a zombie after that. But to say to say I was kind of a fan of what. Uh, the universe that she had built uh, would be setting it mildly. I really thought it was uh, uh, well-made. I thought it was uh, perfectly geared towards children where she didn't talk down to the kids. Uh, She created her own uh, mythos without having to be patronizing or or condescending. And it was really uh, exciting. And so for a lot of years, this idea of of her being kind of a champion for the young, a champion for the people, and just kind of building this mythology, I was super into it. I really liked, you know, what I would read about her as you know, a philanthropist, and I really liked what I would uh, read about her interactions with fans and things like that. And it didn't really start getting dicey for me until uh, at one point she had revealed that Albus Dumbledore, the headmaster of Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry, was uh, outed, she outed him as being homosexual. And there was a huge supportive embrace of that, I feel like, from the majority of her fans. Because anyone who's who's ever read anything about her really realizes that she was kind of an advocate for, you know, all these people to come together and just be equal and, and and live their lives, which is kind of something I like to try and be a part of. But there was also a very vocal minority of people who were very upset. 
and kind of like, well, you know, you can't just arbitrarily say Dumbledore is gay. How dare you ruin the books like that? And I'm going to throw all my books into an incinerator and like that. You already bought them. Who cares? <laughs> That's exactly it. She she posted. She was getting real cheeky with him on on Twitter, and, and the whole gist of it was, well, I've already got your money, so do whatever I mean, you want. Real though, <laughs> I would say the same. <laughs> and, and I have to admit, I was super uh, impressed with with how she handled that. Now, uh, as as a member of the LGBTQ community, uh, do you remember when that? all went down do you do you remember how you felt around that yeah so i hadn't really i hadn't really cued into the harry potter until um a little later on i think um the timeline's a little hazy but um i remember a lot of people being really invested in that because a lot of folks that was the world that they escaped into as a kid and you know i work with like large populations of like trans and queer and non-binary youth and all of them were just so elated to have Dumbledore. I remember rewatching the movies after that came out being like, I'm going to watch to see if in the movies he feels gay. <laughs> and I rewatched <laughs> all of them. And I'm sure many, many people did the same thing being like, I'm going to read the whole thing again. I want to feel the gay. Um, and I don't wanna, think she actually You want to be able to pick up on the subtle, you want to pick up on those subtleties. <laughs> like, I don't remember that. I have good gaydar. I would have seen that, <laughs> but um, so I remember, I remember rewatching all of them and I remember people talking about rereading them and I think it really like excited, um, not only trans and queer folks, um, but also people who love us and who are like, who love Harry Potter and are like, Oh, did I miss that? I want to try again. You know, I want to reread this. Um, and I think the same thing happened when they talked about Hermione being black. Um, I think a lot of people are like, I need to reread this. I need to re-experience what this story is for me as a person that it was really important to. Um, if I imagine this character is gay and this character is black, does that change my perspective of the book? And I think for a lot of people, it changed it in a really positive, important way, even mm -hmm. if there wasn't anything in the book that really supported it, <laughs> you know? Well, right. And, and, and there was a huge controversy. Uh, what she's referring to is uh, in Harry Potter and the, what is it? The Cursed Child, I believe was the name of the stage play. Yeah. Uh, when, when they finally cast the stage play, uh, they had cast Hermione Granger um, with, and I've got her name here. Where the hell did it go? Noma Dumezwini. I knew I was going to mispronounce that, and I'm horribly sorry for that. But uh, uh, she was cast as Hermione Granger, and, and the big controversy at the time was, of course, that she was, she was a black actress, whereas every other thing we've seen of Hermione Granger up from – the, not from the books, because as she was quick to point out, she never specified uh, her race in the books. Mm -hmm. But everything we've seen of her has been you know, Emma Watson, which is, you know, how we've all grown up with the Hermione Granger characters. So, yeah, she went through a certain amount of controversy when she uh, approved the casting choice for that. But she's quick to point out again, and it, and it kind of fell right back into, well, I've already got your money. It doesn't matter what you do. You can burn the books. You can stop watching the DVDs. Uh, burn them for all I care. You've already paid me. And, yeah. and, and that's, I mean, that was kind of, for me, it was, it was hilarious. Because she's absolutely right. She's got your money. You're, you're done, sucker. Okay, so you stop reading her books. It doesn't affect anything, really. Because, yeah. Because there's going to be this huge, supportive fan base that's more than going to pick up your slack you know what i mean 
So the fact that people are going to get mad and complain and bitch and moan, and it's kind of funny to me. Now, that kind of took a turn now, unfortunately, because rather recently, and in fact, I've got, I've got the art. An article about it right here. Hang on one second. Twenty or early of June, twenty twenty, she started going on a Twitter rampage, uh, mostly against uh, the use of the word "people who menstruate" in in a, in a way to describe a female. And everyone knows that Joe Rowling is a feminist, very supportive of the feminist community, the feminist agenda. I am as well. I always have been. And here's the thing. They have a term that I had to look up because I didn't understand what it meant. And turf? Turf. <laughs> Sorry. And, and turf, uh, what turf means is trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And it is not a compliment. Whenever I've heard it leveled, I've heard it used like, a, like an epitaph, like a, like a swear word, you know? It's like, yeah, fucking turf. Shut up. You know, yeah. but uh, the problem is. But it's like the nicest, it's like the nicest diss ever. You're like, we recognize that you're a radical feminist and fight for many people, but you're exclusionary and we expect more from you. <laughs> it's like, right. it's like a swear word in a diss with like the hugest compliment. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, you're kind of chiding them a little bit at the same time. <sighs> come on, do better. Come on. Yeah. Come on. But yeah. the fact is, is she's never denied it. At this point, she's been on the offensive with it, in fact. Uh, she keeps, every, when everyone kind of figures she would just shut her mouth and just kind of see the backlash and see the anger and see the the chaos she's leaving in her wake of her, of her community, everyone around her kind of assumes that she would just double down, or not double down on it, but shut the hell up and and just kind of understand that her opening her mouth is causing this world of hurt to an entire subset of people that th- thought of her as an ally. And, and and rather, in fact, she has not been shutting her damn mouth. She has been yeah, continuing. She's, on she's been on a tear <laughs> re- recently. She posted, she's posted some really like um, ableist things as well recently um, and I think I think the the thing is like you were just kind of setting up was like she has historically tried to do more than a lot of people to advocate for diverse communities for inclusive actions and writing and young people so I think this hurts because people don't expect it and she's really digging in on like the like nope I'm right you're wrong also um all, all all trans people are artistic or autistic and like all these extra things where you're like you going too far like i didn't down. see that one <laughs> yeah trans people they, as autistic yeah she reposted um a i went through her whole twitter i was like gossip city <laughs> up in here like i need to read everything you've been doing homie um and <laughs> she retweeted this like call and this like letter you can find it on her twitter um and the letter was a group of physicians that um supposedly like none of the physicians signed their names or showed any of their licensure but these physicians against trans people and they were saying i even screenshot one because i was like this is out of control um they said uh can i read this yeah go ahead oh, okay um they said more often than not the internet lurks in the background hours spent trolling the echo chamber websites, confirming and affirming lost young people 
looking for answers, enticing those on the autistic spectrum to see themselves and their struggles through the, tra through the lens of trans. And this was like a screenshot from their declaration of like all these, and there were just lines like that, one after another, where they were like, there's people, it's, it's just like that old school saying that like lesbians are out here to recruit and that it's like because women are abused or that they never found a good man so now we gotta fix them they're kind of saying like like uh, uh, people on the autistic spectrum are being recruited to be trans and that it's a disability in that way you know like it's it's like a whole layer there's layers happen in there <laughs> yeah that, that um, kind of falls back into that old thing of like oh she's not really a lesbian she just needs to find the right man and it's like yeah it's ugh. the same thought process and the the terrible part is that turfs are often led like turf movements are often led by lesbians um so that whole concept of women who menstruate that that um jk rowling's been using a lot um is actually pretty common in the queer community but it is an incredibly transphobic um, statement and a lot of the L and B or L and G and B communities um, are pretty transphobic and we're still working on it you know um, transphobia can happen to anybody that's cisgendered you know mm -hmm. well, and, and the unfortunate part of that is is when you have someone like uh, Joe Rowling who not only is showing her very vocal support for these fringe outlier I, I want to draw a comparison but i want to make sure that everyone knows this is not a political bent i'm everyone who knows me knows where i'm at politically but what i'm saying is not meant to be political there proviso out of the way but it's very much like watching donald trump on twitter he will say and do anything he can to try and find a way to back up his points to include retweeting right-wing alt-right terrorist groups to fringe conspiracy theory doctors. And I think what was the latest one with him? It was like demon sperm and, and just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a shit show 100% all the way around. But yeah, again, that's, you don't have to be Democrat or Republican or whatever to understand that that is a shit show start to finish. And unfortunately we're able to draw these comparisons to the shit that he's pulling with the things that, that JK Rowling is trying to get away with. And, and, and she is basically leaning on the fact that she's got so many people in her pocket, in her group that are going to smile and nod along with whatever she says, because they're just so enraptured by this world that she's created that, a lot of people are going to end up getting hurt because yeah. of it, as a result of it. So, and uh, I think the culture the culture's changed um, really drastically. Can I can I nerd out for a hot second about gender and like our generation? Nerding out is what we do. Go right ahead. Yes. So, um, like I said, I, I um, run a queer center, and I and I'm a professor, so I have to like keep up on data and changing trends and language pretty regularly. Of course. Of course. Um, and I also have to work a lot with people who um, maybe like um, JK started off as just not having the language to discuss complex issues like gender and sex and biology. Um, so I think in some ways, before you start batting down the hatches and like start reposting all these like fake positions, like 
you know, like the, the moments before that is when somebody could have like been like, Hey, let's have a conversation, you know, and try to connect. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's our, that's our responsibility, especially as folks who know. Um, but for millennials, um, I think this is hitting differently than maybe would have been expected. And, um, there's some articles out there about UK feminism and it's super whiteness and it's super, you know, um, transphobicness out of the nature of how people were, work in different circles and private schools and all that. But at least in the U S which has a huge part of where the upheaval is, um, a survey by, I think like a millennial survey. I don't remember who it's by. I can maybe send it to you, but they showed that 50% of millennials think that there is more than two genders. 50%. So millennials who are the people who grew up with Harry Potter are the ones who don't believe in the gender binary. And so when you have people who are really significant um, in your life saying, you know, anybody that doesn't believe in the gender binary is like a woman killer, which is kind of the narrative of a lot of turfs, right? Like you hate women if you like trans people, um, really goes against the grain of what millennials actually believe. Um, a large majority of millennials just don't believe in the binary. Um, and if you look at the actual biology and the actual science behind gender, gender is a social construct. And so even the concept of women who, who menstruate, people who menstruate, a lot of women don't menstruate. And some men do. Um, and so I think that the whole concept of even menstruation is a lot trickier. Like, are you no longer a woman after menopause? If for some reason you have a biological thing that's going on, what if you're on birth control, are you not a woman? Um, so when you do that kind of essentialism of like, whether or not um, you're going to bleed, if you know, um, I think, I think even really young people know that it's more complicated than that. Even if we don't have the language to talk about, you know, how chromosomes and, and sex determination is actually a lot more complex than that binary system and how many cultures have many other systems other than looking at your genitals by a doctor. Like some stranger looks at your genitals and is like, you're a woman um, <laughs> or you're a boy because your clitoris is a quarter centimeter longer than the others, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I think, I think that some of that pushback and that, that anger that you see from this is that her main audience doesn't agree with the concept of a binary gender and the entire argument of TERFs is that there is a binary and you can never change it you can never challenge it and that anything outside of it is a mental disorder and an attack on women which is ridiculous yeah. uh, we're going to take a real quick break and when we come back we will continue discussing uh, Harry Potter J.K. Rowling and what it costs to be a TERF <laughs> if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, and we're back. So we were discussing uh, the lean in the uh, millennial group of 
tending more towards away from the gender binary, which uh, I was saying off break that that is amazing. I never would have put it up quite so high. And you, you had mentioned that the study was done in 2011. Is that right? Yeah, 2011. I would be so excited to find out. I might actually have to do some research after this because I would love to find out where that number sits now because just knowing what I know and seeing what I see and, and, and the evolution in, in, in what's been going on socially and, and politically, I think that number has to be trending upper. I mean, up. So uh, it's exciting. We, we live in a very... What was the old phrase? May you live in interesting times. And uh, 2020 sure proves that we took that for granted. Because 2020 has been interesting times. You know, when I was a, I was a kid, we always had like boffers for like, you know, sword fighting. For the SCA I remember. I remember. And I remember I would, I, one time I, I also for some reason had a Swedish war helmet, you know, like nerdy parents. I don't know why I had it. Um, but I remember I had a really bad fever once um, and I put on the war helmet and I grabbed my boffers and I was very young and I just started screaming war and I was like ran around the whole house screaming war <laughs> and like was like trying to like defend my family you know like fever delusions happen for kids but ever since then I've always kind of had these like dreams like similar to that whatever I was hallucinating I know it was the same hallucination um, and lately I've been like, you know, I've always said like, I was born to fight in a revolution. Like I was born for changing times and I know it like in my gut since I was like six years old, I know it. And I thought maybe it was from watching too much Xena, you know, <laughs> but, um, I think these days, like as an activist who's been doing it for, you know, 10, 15 years, my parents are activists and, um, just seeing the change, like you're saying right now and having conversations about, can our authors really try to cancel trans folks? Like having conversations like that. Um, and like, what does anti-blackness look like in our literature? You know, these kind of conversations are not things we get to have until now. And this is like that battle. I feel like six year old little me was screaming for, you know, like that, that preparedness for, for change to happen. So, um, I hope things don't slow down or get, 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 troubled up too much i hope they continue to transform and change and grow absolutely and and and, and i want to say this without sounding as pandering as it's going to end up sounding but i'm, I'm really kind of uh, in awe of the person that you've become watching this transformation into because whether it's with a boffer in your hand uh or what you're doing now with the community that you're that you're helping right now you are a warrior and it's amazing to watch and and amazing to know you, by the way. So we're going to get that Thank out of the way. Usually I'd save that for the wrap-up, <laughs> but it seems to fit here. But uh, I am actually really, I know, uh, proud of the person that you've become, having known you as long as I have. Thank you. Now, one of the things that struck me as interesting about uh, this J.K. Rowling situation is we've discussed, now, when we talked about Dumbledore being outed as gay and all the people coming out and oh, I'm never going to read your books again. I'm going to throw them in a fireplace and I'm going to burn all your books. And she's laughing all the way to the bank. Ha ha. I got your damn money. It doesn't matter. It feels like we're on the flip side of that now because now she's pissed off another whole group of people. And we were the people that were in her corner and, and like cheering her on. And, and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, Hey, wait a minute. What the fuck are you doing? 
No, wait, she's got our money. Shit. <laughs> so it's like, I've decided in my life, I, I decided not to, to put any more money into the Harry Potter universe. I've already got all the books, whatever. I can't ever change that. Um, the movies I've paid for, the everything that I've done as far as that, I've taken the kids to see exhibits and things like that. I mean, we're pretty invested in, in all things hardcore and nerdy around here. And, and regrettably, we were all rather invested in the Harry Potter universe. Um, but now uh, we're at that crossroads where it's like, I don't want to put any more money into her pocket at this point. Lord knows she doesn't need it. Uh, in Forbes, they discovered that she was, uh, she went from being in 1997, she was one of basically on the edge of poverty while she wrote Philosopher's Stone. Published that in 97, and a dozen years later, she's on Forbes, one of Forbes' richest uh, people in the UK, one of the first billionaire authors. So safe to say she's got her money. There's yeah. no going back. And unfortunately, there's a lot of more people who are way more invested than I am. Uh, tattoos and, and and entire lifestyles built around this community that now all of a sudden might start feeling a little bit claustrophobic, like the walls yeah. are closing in on them. And that's, that's, that's an unfortunate place because a lot of people – with me, uh, I lean on my, my nerdry and my fandom and my love of, of uh, comic books and Star Wars and video games. Those are the things that kind of prop me up when I'm not fighting at 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I feel like Harry Potter did that for a lot of people because it seemed like it was such an accepting and open community. And to see it kind of fall apart is I don't know disheartening I guess a little bit well how do you feel about that I think um, what I think that we don't need to see Harry Potter as something that we can't love and have a central as a part of our life um, and I think people that are really invested in that world should not feel like they have to back out of it I think holding our artists accountable to change, learn, and grow, um, supporting Etsy artists and local artists that make art and dolls and, you know, geek stuff that people like to collect. Yeah. You were, uh, we had a little bit of a communication error there real quick on the, on the communicative or on the uh, electronic side. So uh, you had been mentioning that you feel like it's, it's okay to continue to, to be invested in the community uh, as long as you're like, Maybe not necessarily supporting her, but... Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for working with the Wi-Fi in California. Um, but I was saying basically just that um, you can use your dollars to tell artists that you don't support their work. Um, you can still celebrate their work. Um, you can still have the community you built. I think I personally... Um, and I think there's other people that have stronger feelings, but I personally think that everything I'm a fan of is problematic. Um, you know, like I love the walking dead, but that whole show is about a white cop saving everybody, you know, um, <laughs> and it's still great. <laughs> um, and Star Trek is about colonizing space, you know? Um, and like a lot of it, a lot of our fandoms are, 
problematic. And we have to find out how we can hold our artists, our writers, our producers accountable to it and not give them more money directly until they fix their shit. Um, but we can support local artisans, um, tinkerers, creators, crafters. Um, we can support, you know, folks who make stuff that need money, Patreons like this, you know, to talk about Harry Potter, to nerd out um, without giving more money to millionaires that have already profited off of it and don't want to listen to you, you know? Um, so I think there's no shame in loving Harry Potter because the writer's transphobic. Just don't love the writer because she's transphobic. Or love her in a, such a way that you remind her that she can do better. And I think that's more important. And, and I think uh, one of the things that I was reading uh, while I was combing through all the different articles talking about uh, her Twitter tirades and everything like that uh, was a lot of the stars of her movies have come out basically against her, saying, you're wrong, you know, uh, in, in, not all of them, but uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, uh, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Ivana Lynch, Bonnie Wright, Katie Leung, all very, it's like such a huge portion of these, these child now adult actors who grew up in this Harry Potter world have come out and basically said, you're wrong, Joe, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to include two fan websites, super huge popular fan websites, the Leaky Cauldron and MuggleNet have all come out against uh, Joe Rowling's uh, transphobic stances. Uh, and one of the things that I found the most amusing and kind of a trite way and kind of a petty way a little bit, I'm going <laughs> to say that outright, but one of the cool <laughs> things I thought was uh, there was a whole branch of Twitter kind of going, it's amazing that these stories can exist without just being written. I mean, they just kind of appeared one day. Like they're completely blocking <laughs> the idea of Joe Rowling. Like, and they were talking like they were putting the, the writing of the books onto Daniel Radcliffe because of his uh, speaking out for the Trevor Project. Um, and what he wrote actually was, uh, transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional health care associations who have far more expertise on this subject matter than either Joe or I. So he, he didn't attack her, Woo! but he was very, very clear in his stance, which I think uh, led to a lot of people going, oh man, this is amazing that he was the one who wrote these Harry Potter books and we should support him. And, <laughs> like completely trying to erase Joe Rowling from her own creation, which as you said, we don't necessarily have to do, but it was kind of funny to watch. But uh, do you think... Um, you know, I'm all down for historical recreation. She can disappear if she needs to. <laughs> She's like, Yeah, that's the thing. In the SCA, we always talked about uh, reenacting the best parts of it, the fights and the and the the dancing and the the feasting and the campfires and singing and we we kind of can conveniently x out things like oh the black death and racism and crusades and and this that and the other thing so it's like i get it we we can creatively excise her from her own work yeah why not i'm sure somebody's got a spell for that <laughs> <laughs> what was the she did that to uh, gilderoy lockhart uh, Gilderoy Lockhart was the one who would take credit for other people's work. Oh, and, yeah. And obliviate, obliviate 
was the name of the spell. And he would just erase their minds and take credit for their yeah. shit. So that's what we need right now. <laughs> someone needs to obliviate Joe Rowling. But uh, it, it is, I would think, rather telling of the situation that all of these people who have been very, very close to Joe are coming out in support of, or coming out against her, excuse me, uh, that they are coming out vocally opposing her viewpoints and, and at the same time kind of wrapping their arms around the rest of the, the damaged community and saying, we got you, you know, and it's, it's heartwarming to see something like that because that's not their job. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe hasn't had anything to do with Harry Potter for, what is it, like eight years now? Nine, yeah, it's been a while. Seven, eight years now. It's whatever the last movie came out. He's moved on. He's doing other things. He's living his life. He certainly didn't have to take time out and embrace the community, but he did. And that just goes to show that pretty much what the point you were talking about is, is you can still love the work without loving the person who, yeah, I mean, we can even still love Joe Rowley. I'm not, I'm not here trying to say we can't. Because a big there's a, there's a way to love people with accountability. You know, yes. like if your if your re- relative says something screwed up at the dinner table and you sit there quietly, then you have just said the same thing. But mm-hmm. if they say something and you step up and you're like, no, you are not saying that. That is not okay. Here is why. Um, and are willing to have that conversation again and again. That to me is real love. That to me is like really like showing people that they can be better. They can include more people. They can love more. That's all we're asking is like, why hate on a part of the community that's already massively marginalized? Um, just love more. And if you're a fan and you love JK Rowling and you want her to do better, push her. And then eventually we'll probably get a trans character as some sort of like too late, too little. Uh, no. it, that's half the, that's half the reason I can't speak with half my family right now is because like you said, you have to take that that hard love stance with them and, and just kind of tell them that you're not going to deal with that. You're not going to sit there and suffer it in silence. And so, unfortunately for me, I've got a big mouth and I, I tend to uh, use it to piss off my right-wing family. So Good. <laughs> they always come around. That's the thing. Like, And if they don't, then they never will, you know? Um, but... It, it's just one of those things that just takes a lot. And luckily, no one is trying to change her and has to go back home and talk with her again. <laughs> you know, it's a lot, low ri- lot lower risk than your parents. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot less just blind acceptance of things like that now going forward. And, yeah. and which leads me to wonder what the reception is going to be on... I mean, she's still making those... Uh, uh, those I forget the name of the movies, the new movies that she's making. Yeah. Uh, Enchanted Beast or Wonderful Beasts or whatever they're saying. Dangerous Yeah, once she started kind of like doing some off the rocker stuff, I stopped paying attention. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of telling to where the community stands when these works continue to come out. And whether or not that's going to push her into a, like you say, too little, too late kind of situation uh, of reconciliation and uh, uh, some kind of token shot to kind of ease the pain, I guess. 
And, and, and I would hope she wouldn't do it to be a, a token kind of a, a gimme. Like, cause I, I, when she, when she outed Dumbledore, I felt like that was genuine to his character. And, and so I wouldn't want her to do that with like a trans character, for instance, and have it feel like she was just doing it to do it, to try and to, to make amends or to uh, patch over that burned bridge. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And there's a good chance she will if she ends up listening. But if not, I think if nothing else, having a really high profile person that a lot of millennials grew up with um, put herself in this position starts the conversation. So I think future feminist writers know that feminism isn't binary anymore and feminism isn't just cisgendered. Um, and I think this will be like, you know, there is like a 15 year old that's going to write the next great series right now who is listening to these conversations, who is dreaming of possibilities and they're going to start writing that. And then they will be the next millionaire who probably says something stupid when they're like 40, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I think, but I think like, you know, the, the conversation being so public and and so many folks and all of the actresses and artists making really bold statements to say like, nah, you can do better than that, I think is really gonna transform, the, especially the young folks who are trying to uh, see like what the possibilities are, you know? Yeah, I agree. And uh, we're gonna take another quick break while we figure out our technological issues here. And we'll come back oh, no. and, and wrap things up one more time. So stay with us. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote, but misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. You can sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, get step-by-step -step assistance requesting your mailing ballot, explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot, check your voter registration status, find your polling site, and make sure you have the appropriate ID. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. All right, thanks for coming back. And uh, so we've kind of discussed at length the problematic nature of dividing your community, your fan base up, and basically how that fan base can react and still maintain that love, that that kind of loyalty if you will to a problematic fan base or a problematic creator um, do you think that there's any kind of genuine way any kind of genuine act that Rowling could do at this point to to walk this back is there any way she can recover from this that, that would be that would be genuine not disingenuous yeah, I mean, I think there is a huge um, cultural shift where meaningful apologies matter again. Um, you know, I think people have gotten so polarized and so dug in 
that when people make mistakes, they don't even genuinely apologize and say like, look, I'm learning like, and learn in public has been like learning in public is a feminist principle. Um, so if she's going to be a feminist all the time, she needs to get learning in public and admit like that she's, she has another way to look at it. But I think right now what matters the most is that our nerdy communities take that superpower to like research and to learn and to adapt and research and understand the difference between sex and gender, between biological essentialism and the complexities of our bodies. Like we have a lot more genders and sexes and biological diversity than we ever knew before because people were too lazy and wanted it just to be simple, male, female, bleeding, not bleeding. Right. Um, right. So I think, I think, she's going to have to make an apology and it's going to have to be learning in public. But I think what's more important is that nerds get real nerdy, you know, and like really start to understand that like this stuff isn't made up. It was true before colonization that hundreds of genders happened and it's true after and it was true during and it's true. It'll always be true. And if every apple, every seed, every body is more complex and not just copying paste, then how can we think, that like sex is so simplistic, you know? Um, if we've got like five colors of eyes that are regular, why don't we have <laughs> an understanding that the rest of our biology is more complex? Mm -hmm. um, just because a penis and a vagina fit together is not the only way we have sex anyway. <laughs> so, um, And if know, it is, I, it's very boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's stuff that we have to unlearn. And I think our generation is unlearning that, that, a lot of that doesn't serve women. It doesn't serve men. It doesn't serve our emotions, our spirits, our bodies. It doesn't serve our culture. It doesn't even serve our economy anymore um, to be so essentialist. So she can do what she wants. I think people are still going to love magic and youth empowerment. And they're going to love the idea of being on a team and not having to be athletic. Um, like the houses kind of are for a lot of people. Um, and I think, I think that sense of community doesn't need to go away but it can get a lot more magical if people are doing their research and really learning how much more beautifully complex our world is than just straight, cis, heteronormative, uh, biological essentialism. Right. Turfs are boring. <laughs> it's true. Uh, fuck, for the most part, cis people are boring. I'm not gonna go out and say it. I'm boring as fuck. But... I mean, being, being queer is really fun. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Homophobia, transphobia sucks, but the rest of it is pretty solid. <laughs> And then that's the thing. And, and we're kind of learning and evolving and growing as a culture now uh, because, I mean, <sighs> human nature is something that requires education. We cannot be mired or stuck in the past. Uh, what worked, and I think we see this in shows like Mad Men and things like that, what worked back in the 50s uh, doesn't work in the 60s. What worked in the 60s doesn't work in the 70s. And as we advance through the years, it's kind of adapt or die, you know. Uh, stagnation is death. All these other kind of uh, real punk rock things that look good on a <laughs> punk rock shirt is, uh, is, is it's, it's just, it's not a way to be. It's not a way to, to, to live. It's very stagnant. It's very boring. It's very. Uh, I think. I think it also. It, I think it. 
I think it takes away the humanity from all people, like cisgender people, heterosexual people, everyone, to say that the only reason you love someone or you like sex a certain way is because you're biologically predetermined to breed. And I think that whole concept really doesn't give value to the depth of emotion, of connection, of um, life in a really important way. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think, I think now a lot of us know that, that, that like everyone is more complex than like just reproductive breeding partners um, that make a solid pact of land, you know? Um, so I think, I think this is one of those moments where you see that, that clash of changing times, like you're saying, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to inflate the idea that things are actually better for trans and queer people. In a lot of ways, things continue to be really terrible. There's a ton of tra- anti-trans policies that are happening. We just lost a lot of our actual rights um, and then regained some, um, you know, like we're like, adding yeah, that, to the seemed, civil rights that seemed almost right away. out of, that seems so out of the blue, given everything else that was going on. Yeah, but it, I mean, that's welcome. But it feels it feels like we're doing better. But when you actually look at the li- li- lived experience of trans and queer people, we still do economically worse. We're still ghettoized and aren't able to rent in a lot of places. We still experience mental health and physical health disparities at, at huge rates. And we're undercounted. They wouldn't even really include us in the census in a lot of ways. So like a lot of issues that are there for trans and queer people are still really terrible. Um, but I think they're a lot more vocal now. And that's what you're seeing happen with Harry Potter, because that's the generation that grew up thinking that we could have communities that were challenging and that were complex and that were full of possibility. I agree. And I think that's the redeeming quality of Harry Potter and, and sci-fi and fantasy in general is because you're able to well, even look back at, at uh, uh, Star Wars. Uh, this whole uh, political spectrum we're in right now versus uh, fascism versus anti-fascism, uh, you would see the Rebel Alliance as a fascist or an anti-fascist organization. You would see the brown coats in Firefly as an anti-fascist organization. And, and I get real heated when I talk to people about Star Trek because I, I – as problematic as some of it might be, still is growing up, but you see that evolution in it. You see it trying to get better. But you got people who are anti trans, anti LGBTQ, uh, but fans of Star Trek. And it's like, no, you don't get to be. You shouldn't be. <laughs> it's like, and, and I know that's exclusionary, and we try to avoid being exclusionary, but it's like, you're sitting here paying homage to Gene Roddenberry's vision of inclusion and acceptance and moving past all the bullshit wars and stupidity that mire everybody on this planet. Gene had a vision of pushing past all of that, blowing past all of that. And I mean, hit or miss, he did fail at times. He didn't succeed quite as much as he'd have liked to. But you can see the progression. You can see it get better as you go along. Um, And I I always get real butthurt about it because it's like, you know what? You can't be a fan of of the Federation. You can't be a fan of Star Trek if you're you're anti-gay. You can't be a fan of Star Trek if you're exclusionary because of this. It's like, you'd be the bad guy. You'd be the guy Kirk was punching in the face. 
it's like I don't get it. I don't understand how people can accept something in their fantasy, in their sci-fi, and not accept it in real life. Yeah. And I think that's where we're changing. That's where we're evolving into is because people are starting to see through this uh, disparity and being able to say, oh, that's just TV or that's just a book. They're being able to see themselves and with more and more uh, representation being available and being shown, uh, we're able to see these people as people. And it's able to make us accept it more and more. Like I have a lot of conversations about uh, representation in media on this podcast because I think it's super important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how, how into comic books are you? Do you read a lot of comic books? Um, not anymore. I used to, but then they all got too expensive for me. <laughs> they are very <laughs> I expensive. I look at web comics and then just watch the shows now. <laughs> they had a whole big thing going on right now. It's called Comicsgate. And what happened is, is there was a very popular uh, writer for DC Comics, uh, Ethan Von Scryer, who started espousing a lot of alt-right kind of ideology on Twitter and everything else, saying, well, why do we have to make Captain America black? Why do we have to make Thor a female? Why do we have to do this, that, and the other thing? Why can't we just have our comics and fantasy be like it used to be? Because we have like a thousand white men saving the same bullshit. Fucking for real. I can't stand heroes because nothing is ever represented in a hero for me. You know, like, I don't Mm -hmm. care about superheroes. I've never been interested. I'm like, oh, you mean he's slightly funnier? He's still a white guy saving everybody. Cool. Oh, he's a rich white guy saving everybody. Oh, he's a white guy who got bit by a spider saving everybody. Like, mix it up, y'all. Like, (laughs) No, and I've I've been a huge fan of of what they've been doing with, uh, like, a very controversial thing that they did was they uh, uh, retired Captain America for a while. Uh, They walked it back like they do everything else. But they, they made Captain America... They made Sam Wilson, the Falcon, Captain America, gave him the shield, everything. The book Captain America featured him. And it was so, <laughs> it was so complicated as far as after that goes, because the entire storyline was about these alt-right people trying to get the shield away from him and how he can't be our Captain America. He's not white kind of thing. And, and it, it echoed reality so hard, and it just it was cringy. I might that, look that up. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Wilson, Captain America was fantastic. But dark. I, re- I read the it's I read the America dark. Chavez, uh, or yeah, America. I like Chavez. America Chavez. That yeah. one's awesome. I really encourage it, especially for young women, to, like young Latinas, to read. There is so much positive. Uh, representation uh i'm just going to talk on marvel comics right now because they've been kind of setting the standard lately with uh representation we've got uh the heir apparent to iron man uh is now iron heart who's a young black female riri williams oh yes uh, who didn't just inherit a suit of armor she created her own get it girl and and uh, we got like uh, uh ms marvel uh, a young middle eastern woman uh, who kind of is doing her own thing and speaking for her own community and things like that. There was a book called the champions that came out a while back, which is all the young superheroes like uh, in their own book. And, and uh, it was probably one of the things that uh, 
the comics gate people were pissed off about because, you know, you had uh, the Hulk replaced for a while with uh, Amadeus Cho, a young Asian kid, very smart kid. So cool. There's such a huge underrepresentation of, of oh, Asian yeah. and anything. Even like speaking of Harry Potter, the representation of Harry's like love interest was the most racist, like Cho generic. Chan. Yeah, it was like, like she even used like two different cultures' names. Like it was just real bad. Like, have you never met an Asian person in your life? <laughs> like, I well, see you trying, but like, just try harder. <laughs> a little more homework, a little more to do. On yeah. It. I think, I, like I said, I think representation is starting to really open up. Uh, and there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some rage against that machine from yeah. your idiot white guys. But, uh, yeah. and not just That's idiot the- white guys. I'm using it as a typification. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I think I think the reality is like at least to me because I'm a, I'm also a gamer. You said you like video games. Right now I'm playing Last of Us Two, loving it so much. Um, I haven't played that one yet. My son oh, played that. Oh, so good. Um, I heard. And it's super queer, and it has lots of people of different races. And I was like, see, you're making digital things. You don't even have to cast people. Like this is perfect. <laughs> um, and it's based in Seattle, so when you're like walking through. Capitol Hill they still have like the rainbow walkway on the ground as you're like trying to take down a clicker you know um but uh I think I'm gonna have to play that one it's good it's like it's really good I had to take a break because it was spooking me out a little bit too much I get jumpy (laughs) but um yeah uh oh what I was saying was um I think the video games have been doing a phenomenal job of stepping it up too you know like the characters that we play like um, they're having a lot more like um, blackmail leads and like it's the same story but it just feels really different um, when I played Red Dead Redemption 2 um, I got it just because I was bored and the first one I thought was really racist and one of the first things they did in it was to have native folks from that area and consult on it and then they like talked about treaties and land theft and I was like, okay, maybe I'll play this game for a little bit. <laughs> um, and just like small things that have been completely ignored. The mass massacre of brown bodies in video games, the mass massacre and violence against women in video games, I think are getting checked. Um, and I think what that does is give us an opportunity to tell new stories because we've retold the same white man saving everybody 1,000 times. Jesus for like Christ. years, you know, and we've redone the same white soldier guy or like black soldier guy doing the exact same thing, telling people, you know, like to give us new stories. Um, and I think that they're really starting to come, you know, I think there's so much more possibility with storytelling and transforming gaming and transforming geekery um, in a way that doesn't like make us accept less than what we deserve. And what we deserve is really diverse characters, diverse storytelling and some good surprises. I agree. And and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these, like like the Call of Duty and all these other games, kind of shift away from being set in like World War II or Korea or Vietnam. We're seeing it more set in a futuristic standpoint because we're able to see a lot less of uh, established quote unquote villainy. Like we're able to see the bad guys be like just armored thugs, you know, which is why I like playing Star Wars because. Uh, in Star Wars games, uh, and, and I highly recommend you pick up the uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Fantastic game. I've heard it's good. But, but uh, one of the things I really love about that is uh, you can't tell a stormtrooper's gender or their color 
or their sexual orientation underneath the stormtrooper uniform. It's just a stormtrooper. Now we all know that they were set up as kind of a, uh, uh, analog for a fascist Nazi regime type thing, uh, back in the day. That's what George Lucas was setting them up to be. Um, but the fact is that we can see heroes fighting everybody, not just fighting the brown people. We can have heroes be everybody and not just be the white guy. Because personally speaking, as a white guy, as a cis white male, which I am, uh, I'm bored with it too. <laughs> fucking stupid. I'm tired of it. It's like, it's like you said, we've, we've seen it before. Do something original. Yeah, we get it. Batman's a white guy. But what if he wasn't? They were doing a whole thing where they were going to pass the mantle on to Luke Fox, which would make him the new Batman. I was here for this. I I love Bruce Wayne. I love Batman. But I would love to see a new take on it. Yeah. My, Miles Morales is Spider-Man. I love it. I love so seeing cool. this new take. You know, like you say, America Chavez. I love it. Fucking, uh, they made... Uh, uh, Jane Thor in the Thor comic books for over a, like a year and a half. They showed that Thor was unworthy to pick up his own hammer, but she could. And she became the mighty Thor. And the fact that they're making that into the next movie is they're going to show her as Thor in the next yeah. movie. It's super exciting for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think people are starting to see that they can still make money off of that. I think that old formula that you're trying to aim for a 25-year-old in your parents' basement um, who has lots of excess time has been the formula for too much. And I think there's people who work two jobs and have kids that want to be nerding out too, you know? There's folks who are young, like 50% of women game in some way, you know? Like there's a lot more going on. Um, and geek and gamers are like much more diverse than that. Like, <laughs> and, and it's getting more so by the day. And I think uh, to dovetail that back into what we were talking about, I think that is going to be the proving grounds for JK Rowling. If she ever attempts to uh, take a second, take a breath and educate herself, I think uh, her audience would be receptive to that. And, and I would be receptive to that. Not that, I'm not even part of the affected, affected community, but it affects me because so many people that I love and care about are affected by it. And so I wholeheartedly hope that she's able to turn herself around and, and kind of fall back into that, what we thought she was before, which is just an ally. And, and I really hope that we can see that in her coming forward in the future. Word. So. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap things up here now. I, I've kept you going too, too long here. And uh, Karama, I just really want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast today. Uh, did you have any last thoughts or feelings you want to share? No, I just want to say thanks. It was nice just catching up and nerding out with you. And, and oh, yeah. just like, you know, I think kind of like you were saying at the end there, it doesn't, something doesn't have to personally affect you to mean, mean something for you. Like any injustice is injustice for all of us, you know? I so, agree. I agree completely. <laughs> well, uh, Karama, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and I want to thank all of you for listening in again to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom podcast. 
Uh, again, if you're looking uh, for the podcast, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom, or you can find us on our anchor page, which will send you to all of our different podcast locations uh, at anchor.fm forward slash fuel your fandom. But on behalf of the Feel Your Fandom podcast, I want to thank you all for listening. And I want to remind you what I try to remind you at the end of every episode. Everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care.